0: Welcome,
1: my young apprentice, to the Star Wars. Halloween special. Let the spooky flow through you. Yes. Yes.
2: Hey, Phantomaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I'm your host, Sheev. Ah, just kidding. It's Dave, your old pal, who's here to guide you through the Star Wars Halloween special. That's right. This worked out incredibly well because I wanted to do something different this year for the spooky season. Obviously, we've got plenty of episodes lined up. We're going to be doing uh, spooky Halloween-y stuff all month long, but it just so happens that today is Triple Force Friday, which is the sort of launch of a bunch of new merchandise for The Mandalorian, for Rise of Skywalker, and for something else oh the game whatever the new game is with with uh the the ginger in the lead role uh boy that's really putting it over isn't it Uh, it looks great it looks super i'm really interested in it yeah um Out of all those things, The Mandalorian is the one that I am the most stoked about, but it just so happens that the first episode in October is coinciding with Triple Force Friday, and it just so happens that I realized what a great idea it would be to talk about spooky stuff from Star Wars. So, we have our Star Wars crew on, our elite Star Wars experts that we're going to be talking to uh, and sharing our personal thoughts and memories of what's scary from Star Wars. I think it's a great topic. It's one that I don't see touched on a whole heck of a lot, and we're going to have fun talking about it today. But before we get to that, uh, I actually need to revisit an episode. Uh, If you remember, we had a needless investigation of a place called Corpsewood Manor. I don't believe it was last year. I think it was the year before. And we went out and we checked out a haunted site and it was great and you should go back and listen to that episode and uh while i am sitting here i'm gonna look it up because i really should have done my preparation beforehand but i was much more concerned <laughs> Uh, about getting all the star wars information together and down uh, than i was about referencing this corpsewood manor episode but it's episode 183 you can go to Needlessthingspodcast.com. or actually you know what i don't i think it's from the old site Uh, this would have been uh just a minute i'm finding it now this would have been 2017 so i was right it was two years ago and uh, you will need to go to oldneedlessthings.com, which is our archive site full of older episodes of the podcast, old toy reviews, movie reviews, commentary, all the dorkery you love from needlessthingspodcast.com. It's just the prior 10 years of content. So you can go browse that, find whatever you want. But in this instance, you want to find episode 183 uh, and check out that visit to Corpsewood Manor. I'm really proud of that episode, and we had a lot of fun and a uh, spooky time. Filming it. So what I'm going to do right now is revisit uh, that episode with some commentary provided by a listener. Uh, This doesn't happen a whole lot, Uh, you know. I'm very well aware that people find older episodes and they'll contact me and say, "Hey, this was really cool. Thanks for or thanks for putting this up." And I'll say, "Please keep listening to the show. Tell your friends. You know how we do." Uh, But in this instance, this person had a uh, very personal account. Of Corpsewood Manor, and I asked if I could share it, and they said, Please do, just don't identify me. Uh, so, we received this message via the Needless Things uh, Facebook page. So, first, go like the Needless Things Facebook page, and uh, if you have any comments, messages, anything at all, any thoughts about the show, uh, message us. Any time, and we will get back to you uh, as soon as we possibly can. Anything you want to contribute to the show? That Needless Things Facebook page is a great place to get in touch with myself and the rest of the Needless Things regulars for any thoughts you might have about the website or the podcast. So, uh, I received this message. This is actually earlier this year, and I was waiting for Halloween uh, to share it with you guys. So, here we go from a listener. Hey, I just listened to the episode you did on Corpsewood and wanted to let you know it was awesome. Corpse Wood is like a second home at this point to my friends and I. We don't go there to party or do anything dumb. We go there to chill and sometimes have wine and play cards against humanity or shit like that. We even spent the night there a few months ago. My point is, all the things you guys described feeling there were totally legit. It is a very welcoming place for people who aren't going there to be disrespectful or stupid, and after a while, it's like, okay, it's time for us to leave, like people feel like they've worn out their welcome. That same thing actually happened to a group of guys that came up there the night we spent the night there. I gave them a tour of the layout of the old house and showed them the chicken house, and afterward they suddenly got that same feeling. I wonder if when you all said that you got the feeling not to go over in a certain direction, it was in the direction of the chicken house. It seems that's the part that's most negative about the whole property, for obvious reasons. Did you hear the dogs barking at all? Anyway, I just wanted to write to let you all know that you definitely weren't imagining things, and it was really awesome of you to be so respectful. Cheers. Uh, and then my response, thanks for sharing that. Uh, it was such an amazing experience. I still know, I still feel how that place was. I, I like how I had an easier time reading their comment than I had reading my own here, uh, if that makes sense. I do believe we heard dogs, but I don't know that we made that much of it at the time. I try to maintain a healthy respect for things that I don't necessarily understand or things that might be outside of our comprehension. I'd hate to think the world was so straightforward that I just know everything, you know? There's definitely weird stuff that suggests there's more out there. Would you mind if I read your message on a future episode as a follow-up? And then, yes, read the message. And then a link was sent to MotherEarthNews.com. Uh, and I assume if you go there and search for Corpsewood, you'll find the article. But it's a fascinating article uh, about uh, or from Charles Scudder uh, about building Corpsewood and his motivations and mindset. And it was fascinating. So go to MotherEarthNews.com and uh, just search Corpsewood or Castle in the Country, and you'll find a really interesting article uh, from from someone involved in the construction. So there you go. A uh, little follow-up uh, shows that people are still finding the show to this day, which makes me very happy. Uh, and I'm also very happy that all of you guys are here and listening and sharing this this pop culture fun with us. Uh, okay, one more thing. Before we move on to the meat of the episode, which is the Star Wars Halloween special, Uh, I want to congratulate our pal, our listener, Scott Brady, for winning the very first of our October giveaways. If you join the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group, that is the best way to keep up with everything that's going on with Needless Things. And I did a giveaway in the Facebook group that was for members only And Scott Brady is our winner, and he is going to get a Needless Things Halloween prize pack uh, sent directly to him free of charge. I am going to be doing giveaways throughout the month of October on our Instagram, on our Facebook. So if you are following us, that is going to be the way to do it. I have decided I'm not a huge fan of announcing giveaways on the podcast Because people don't always listen to these things on time. Uh, We don't always get the response in an easy way to manage. So what I'm going to be doing is on Instagram, in the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group, Uh, I'll be doing the giveaways there. So look for needless things podcast on Instagram and uh, be sure and join the Facebook group and follow needless things on Facebook. I, I won't be doing things directly there quite as much, although it is still, like I said, a great outlet for messages for you guys. Uh, but everything that's posted on Instagram is reposted there. So you can get a little heads up to head over to Instagram and check out whatever I'm doing. Uh, chances are the contest will involve reposting or sharing things. Uh, Uh, because my big motivation now is I really want to spread the word about the show. And if I need to give you guys free stuff to spread the word, well, then, heck, that's what I'm going to do. And I already have next week's big giveaway, and this is a big, big giveaway, and I'm not sure I can reach it from here. I actually hadn't even planned to look at it. I hadn't even really planned to announce this yet, but I guess I will. Uh, I have in my hands a custom action figure. Now, I don't buy a whole lot of custom action figures, but as you all know, I, over the past few years, have just fallen in love with the band Ghost. Now, you, you're you probably aware that our uh, Super 7, one of our favorite toy companies around here, is now releasing Ghost action figures. This is not that. This is a custom figure of Cardinal Copia, and it was created by a toy maker in Russia, who is KazRobot on Instagram. He is no longer making these Cardinal Copia action figures. Five points of articulation, retro style, four inches tall, unholy tight pants, and 100% of sexy charisma. Cardi C is the next... Pa- ah! And then on the back, there's a little I am Papa, you are not with... Uh, uh, cardinal slapping papa emeritus like the batman and robin uh uh meme that you're also well aware of so this cardinal copia rats edition is no longer available anywhere it will never be produced again i managed to get uh two obviously i'm keeping one and the second one i am going to be giving away giving away this figure Uh, Honestly, the price can't even be estimated now because you you can't get one if you want one. Uh, I'm going to be giving this figure away on the Needless Things Podcast Instagram account. Uh, Go there, follow it now, and next week in October, this will be the week that begins on October the 6th, I will be giving this figure away so follow us on instagram uh not the phantom troublemaker account the needless things podcast account and uh that is where you will find out how to get this this unique incredible figure that you just can't get your hands on anywhere else this thing came to me from russia like literally from russia And it's amazing. And I'm very proud to own one. And one of you is going to be very proud to own the other one I got my hands on. So there you go. Giveaways, spread the word. And and you know what? Don't just wait for a giveaway to spread the word. You go ahead and share needless things any old time you want to anytime is a good time for sharing needless things all right you guys i think that's enough introduction for this week i'm glad you're here i hope everybody's having a spooky season so far and uh this star wars halloween special should help you get into the right kind of spooky mood You know what? Let's just let's, let's do this. Because okay. it's, it's October. It it's is. time for Halloween. It's time for spooky stuff. And because you guys are launching a new show soon, I thought it would be really cool to get you all together and to talk about how spooky Star Wars can be. So, by way of introduction... We'll We'll start with Beth. Tell us about this show that you guys are putting together as part of the Needless Things family and uh, and just go around and introduce yourselves and and tell us why you're excited about this new show.
0: Well, I'm, I wasn't the one who started the idea for the show. I just kind of got roped into it because I am a huge Star Wars book fan. And apparently some people know that about me. So I was talking to Shwek at Dragon Con and he had said that he'd been talking to you in chat about a Star Wars podcast. You are not as up on the books as we are, so we decided to forge ahead without you. And yeah. I am very excited to start this.
2: I, I, am a, uh, I am a total moron and don't read anymore, uh, unless it's on the Internet. But... I, you've you've over the years you've come to me with a couple of different things, and and how many times have I told you? Well, you should do that show.
0: <laughs> well, and normally I'm too lazy to say yes to that, but this time because it's Star Wars, I'm going ahead. <laughs> well,
2: because it's Star Wars, and because you've got such a good team uh, with, with you, uh, in, including our next guest tonight. Whichever one of you, it doesn't matter, it's cool. You guys are all, you're the triumvirate of Star Wars literary knowledge.
3: Go ahead, Ryan. Um,
1: Well, as much as listeners of the podcast know, I love some obscure just random facts about things that aren't knowledge. Star Wars fiction fits right in there. So it'll be a lot of uh, things that are buried in a chapter that have huge things to do with Star Wars and things you can actually use in conversations that start with well actually and then you <laughs> fill in
2: <laughs> and finally our uh while, while Beth is our heart and soul Shwek is our head of research but I have to say Chad you are our official needless things Star Warsologist that's being, a lot of pressure being the being the champion <laughs> Of Star mm-hmm. Wars trivia, Offici- retired, officially retired. recognized though, but retired. Uh, what what are uh, what are you bringing to the table?
3: Um, I'm looking forward to. Um, I have a different recollection uh, of how this started. It began with us doing an episode about a couple new books, and then I went to bed, and then I checked the Facebook messages, and it looked like we were doing a podcast. <laughs>
2: That's, and
3: so I said, things are, I said, are we doing a podcast? And Ryan and Beth said, I think so. <laughs> uh, no, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to cover Star Wars fiction um, novels. We'll be doing uh, both novels that have come out in the recent past, but also we'll be doing hopefully future novels and more of a book club type structure. Um, we'll be venturing off into other, Things will hit comics, will hit things like that, but the main main idea is to cover Star Wars novels, um, both past and present. And um, yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to start off uh, the first episode by dissecting the new uh, Timothy Zahn's new Thrawn trilogy. So that should be a lot of fun.
2: And I, because you guys are doing this, uh, and because, like I said, it's the month where we celebrate Halloween. I realized there's all kinds of stuff that's scary as shit in star Wars. And I thought it would be really cool to do an episode that focuses on the horror of star Wars, or as Chad suggested, a star Wars, Halloween special, uh, it just it's something that I really haven't seen looked at specifically before, because as much as Star Wars gets dissected and inspected and looked at and discussed, I don't know that I've really seen a, a focus on the horror and especially since all of us were most people were exposed to these movies as kids, there are things that really struck me when i was young and scared me and that i would watch you know through the the fingers across the eyes old school horror movie style uh now when i made this decision that this would be the first episode of our halloween episodes this year i wasn't even thinking about the fact that it would be going up on triple force friday nice place that, that just kismet totally worked out that way uh so just consider this an official part of <laughs> disney and lucas films triple force friday uh as you're running around to walmart and target and unfortunately not toys r us unless you're in canada uh Listen to the Needless Things podcast and listen to us talk about spooky stuff from Star Wars. Now, what we're going to do is use our typical format where we each have a couple of topics that we're going to bring up and then discuss as a group. Uh, but what I want to do to sort of break the ice and kick things off is I asked you guys to pick out a couple of just little quickies, little, little snack-sized terrors from Star Wars that maybe didn't warrant a, f- a few minutes of conversation, but were just little moments that freaked you out. And I'm going to kick this off so you get an idea of the sort of things that I'm talking about. Uh, one of the things that freaks me out in Star Wars that scared me when I was a kid were the Bomar monks in Jabba's Palace. Now, For those that may not know, the Bomar monks are the giant spider-like droids that have uh, the glass bowls suspended underneath them. But the story behind these, at least as far as legends is concerned, is that these are monks who have taken their brains out of their bodies and put them into these giant cyborg spiders to achieve enlightenment. Now, Watching Return of the Jedi, you guys all just assumed that, right?
4: Ah, yes, absolutely. clearly oh, yeah, there. Of
2: course. Yeah, it's yeah. it's all there. Uh, I, of course, no, nobody knows that without reading. You know the the materials that you guys will be discussing uh, on on the upcoming show, but those things just walking around in the background, and that's I think that's what's so creepy about them is they weren't featured; they were just there. Behind C three PO and the Gamorrean guard in that that uh, first scene in Jabba's palace in Return of the Jedi, and they they scared the shit out of me. They're so creepy. You guys know what I'm talking about, and you guys are freaked out by them, right?
3: Well, that whole scene's creepy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that
3: whole that whole sequence of of um, coming in through the the giant door into Jabba's palace and. It's lit real dark, and uh, the Gamorreans are kind of gross and weird, and, yeah, and then there's these big spiders walking around. In fact, Jabba's Palace is an old Bomar monastery.
2: That's right. That's uh, right. I totally overlooked yeah.
3: that. Yeah, that they took over, but he let them walk around uh, because he liked how gross-looking they were looking they were, <laughs> according to the thing. So, uh, But, yeah, no, they were creepy as a kid, for sure.
2: Uh, so that's just a little bite-sized terror uh, Ryan, do you have just a, a sort of single moment of fear that you recall from Star Wars?
1: Oh, yeah. Mine comes from Return of the Jedi, too. As a kid, I was definitely scared of the Sarlacc pit. And, you know, the Sarlacc looks kind of gross, and it belches. And I'm talking old Sarlaccs. No beef, yeah, yeah. none of that business. Just the whole. But what really kind of scared me as a kid and fascinates me was the fact that you were digested for a thousand years. And so I would, like, think about, like... Well, what does that mean? Do you starve in it, or are you slowly like, are you alive while you're eaten by like stomach acid? Are there somehow
2: like, nutrients in the air that keep you alive for all this time?
1: Right, right. So yeah, the sarlacc definitely freaked me out when I was young.
2: Yeah, it was way scarier in the and and look, I I hate to sound like an old man and be like, the original cuts were better, but they were. Um, hey Dave,
3: hey Dave, you're an old man.
2: <laughs> I am an old man. Oh my don't, god. Don't worry about
3: don't worry about sounding like an old man. You're uh, an old man.
2: That original Sarlacc, though, was so much creepier without the beak and the stupid tongue and whatever else comes out of it uh, when it was just a, a hole full of teeth. When it was... Uh, what, what's the, t- the... Vagina dentata? <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> that was yeah, I, horrifying. I saw that movie. And then when they added all the extra bullshit, it made it less scary.
3: It did. It did. Uh, yeah, I. that was actually... When I was a kid, that was my favorite sequence in the movie uh, was the Sarlacc scene just because it was... So swashbuckling and fun and uh, adventure, but yeah, the the monster itself is pretty creepy. Well,
0: and it's terrifying enough to think that there's one of them. But
2: if you read some books,
0: there's lots and lots of them on mean. They're literally <laughs> everywhere.
2: Well, and they were they actually refer. It's it's confusing prior to reading any of the books or being having it elaborated in any way because it's referred to as the Great Pit of Carcoon, And the Sarlacc is in it, but when we get to the pit, it's this tooth-lined maw with some tentacles. So, like, what's the creature? What's the pit? How is this thing formed? Like, it was that unknown, which there are a lot of elements of Star Wars, some of which we'll discuss tonight, where they use the unknown to make things scarier and weirder, Mm -hmm. rather than spelling everything out.
3: Yeah, I can think of one in uh, A New Hope, especially.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Beth, what about you? Do you have a, a, a moment of fear?
0: Not necessarily a specific moment, but I find Grand Moff Tarkin so freaking creepy. Just looking at him scares me. And I'm talking old school A New Hope Grand Moff Tarkin because he looks so cold and he, he almost looks like he's already dead himself. Even though he's not dead until Dust Car blows up. But he is so cold and so cadaverous and so creepy and so just Fuck it, let's blow up Alder on
2: He's he's very distant and efficient and military. Um he he doesn't seem he he almost seems less human than Darth Vader. Because yeah, Vader at least together. expresses in some way, whereas uh, Tarkin is just ice.
0: That's why I find him unsettling, because there's just, there is
3: zero emotion there.
0: So, oh, you thought we were going to go get Dantooine? Hmm, whatever.
3: Well, he's also played, of course, by a horror movie icon, so yes. that probably doesn't, that probably doesn't hurt. Made a living being creepy.
2: Uh, and finally, Chad, do you have a uh, a brief moment of terror?
3: A brief one? I have my big ones. Um, I, I'll go. I think the first time Scar- Star Wars like scared the shit out of me in like a horror way it was probably the cave on Dagobah.
2: Oh man, you took one of mine.
3: Um, it, it's fine. It was,
2: I've got more.
3: Yeah, it's it's one of the like moments where it got you, you know it was. Um, you know Vader's scary, and all this other stuff is scary, but the cave, like there was this there's this sense of dread. Um, and uh, you know the whole idea of the cave is is fear, the dark side, and you, you bring your fears in with you. And so, and it's shot when Luke walks in and Vader steps out, and you know when I'm God how old am I when I saw that five? The, the, I have no idea, is this really Darth Vader? <laughs> What's going on? Is Yoda a bad guy? Did he just lead Luke into a trap? I have no idea. And it's shot in this kind of weird slow-mo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very unsettling. And then when you have Luke fight Darth Vader and chop off his head, uh, which I'll get to later, and uh, you see Luke's face underneath the mask, when I was five, it scared me. I had no idea what it meant, uh, you know. I was probably twenty eight before I figured out what it meant. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that moment it was the one that I felt like the first time. I probably put my my face behind my hands watching it as a child was uh, that moment uh, in the cave when Vader walks out. And, uh, yeah, it's real creepy.
1: Well, it's funny that that scene. Yoda almost acts like the gas station attendant at the beginning of a slasher meeting, Yeah, he's like, you yeah. shouldn't yeah. go in there. There's nothing you can do to stop this.
2: That stop place has it. a death curse. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah
3: exactly.
2: He's like Ralph from Friday
3: the 13th. <laughs> yeah, or, uh, Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Like yeah, I mean, actually, they just went back to the cave in uh, Age of Resistance, Snoke, the comic book, where uh, he takes, Snoke takes Kylo there to face his fears. Um, and just like with Luke, he finds his true fear may not be what what he thinks they actually are um but uh but yeah so it's something and i believe in the expanded universe the idea was that a a dark jedi had uh, been killed there by a a jedi who was the same race as yoda just one of the only other yodas that we know of in the galaxy um and created this dark side cave but yeah as a kid it was just real fucking spooky
0: well, well, I so- can see why Yoda would want to live next to the evil cave where one of his race was killed. That makes total sense. <laughs>
3: no, no, <laughs> no one yeah, of his
2: race actually,
3: killed someone. Okay, I'll take Ryan's line. Actually, um, <laughs> the idea was that the, the darks, how dark it was would offset him so he'd be harder to detect.
0: I- I've read that as well, but yeah. still.
3: Oh, it doesn't make sense. But,
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, since this actually was one of my picks, too, we'll elaborate on this uh, because everything you said is 100% correct i as a kid it was or i am in 100% agreement rather uh this to me was a horror movie like it was when star wars ceased to be fun space adventure and became something that was like the hammer movies that i watched with my grandmother uh and i watched it like you said through my fingers and yeah when Yoda tells him you won't need your weapons and Luke puts his belt on anyway, that is shot so well and handled so well from a storytelling perspective that even as a very young child, you know that Luke has just made a terrible mistake. It's such a powerful moment. Uh, I, I think the line is, your weapons, you will not need them. And Luke kind of gives him this, like, whatever fucker and puts his utility belt back on anyway. And even as a young child, you just know, like, no, Luke, what are you, he told you, this guy. Why, you're doing cartwheels and flips and climbing vines with this guy and now you're going to ignore him? Really? Listen to this dude. And he, he puts it on and we see what happens. This, this horrifying, incredibly shot, dark, dark 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 sequence and i don't mean visibly dark although it's that as well uh where our pure golden hero of this story this kid that we've grown to love across a movie and a half now who we've seen lose his you know the people that raised him uh, he, he He lost them he's learned his whole life is a lie. He's learned he's you know part of this amazing movement to eliminate evil from the galaxy and we see that he has the potential to become that kind of evil because of the power that he has access to and it's you don't like you like you said Chad as a kid you don't get all that. No, but you kind of do. Like, you don't understand it, but it still hits you.
3: I'll never forget the Luke's cold, dead eyes. That's the other thing yes. creepy about it too is yes. you're looking at Luke dead. You know, and, and that I don't know it. It was always very disconcerting.
2: Yeah, I so. mean, it, it, it's a terrifying, spooky, creepy scene that that had has had an impact on me my entire life. Uh, yeah. Absolutely, and, and I, I'm I am not surprised at all that that uh, anybody else feels the same way.
3: It was almost it's almost the movie almost becomes uh, at least from a kid's point of view it becomes adult for a few minutes.
2: Yes, you very know, much like
3: so. it, yeah, and and it, 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 yeah, and it gives Empire a different tenor.
1: And well, and Yoda gets kind of scary during some of that movie too, just the way he reacts, and then you know
3: him saying, "You will be." Oh, I got on my list Yoda's creepy as fuck.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> Puppet Yoda is creepy as fuck, especially. Like Dagobah Yoda. Yes. Is real creepy. Yes.
2: Yeah, CGI Yoda is, is mainly a source of really. levity. Yeah. Uh Ryan Ryan or Beth, any more thoughts about the Dagobah Cave.
1: It I think what like I think we talked about it the slow motion, but it's just it's filmed so different than anything that happened before and just the mood of it that it really stands out. And I think that's what sticks out about that scene.
0: Yeah. yeah, And I don't have any specific... I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I don't have specific memories of when it was I saw Star Wars as a child because I apparently was taken to see them all in the theater, even though two of them I assume I was too young to remember. So I just grew up with them all the time and don't remember oh this was when I saw this and freaked me out but I remember for a good long while I was super confused was like wait did, did Luke kill himself is he Darth Vader the whole time I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't understand what's happening
3: but Ryan is right it is unlike anything it's actually unlike any scene in all the original mm-hmm. uh, trilogy you know it, it, we wouldn't get visions kind of like that until the sequel trilogy Really, you know, I mean, it it very much, maybe a little bit in Episode 3 with Anakin's kind of visions, but this idea of this kind of almost, I don't know, it's... It's not something we see, I don't think, until you know Ray's mirror trip in Last Jedi and things like that. It's a very unique thing in Star Wars. Yeah, very, it's rare, rare thing.
2: It's uh, it's the Force's mysticism as opposed to like physical manipulation of things, which is yeah not often seen in the saga, although it no. is often seen in the expanded universe.
3: Yeah, in the cartoons,
2: especially. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, well, Chad. Now mm-hmm. that you have officially brought us into the shit we're going to consider that uh selection number one and uh move on to ryan what is your first main topic of star wars horror uh
1: my first one's a relatively new event or i guess a new revelation from the last uh, i think it was january of last year and it started in the movies and was a little unsettling and now it's worse. And that is – oh, maybe I need a trigger warning – the force rape of Shmi Skywalker and how it's totally like played off like not too big of a deal when it is horrifying that she all of a sudden you know, was pregnant by the midichlorians. Nobody makes a big deal of this that he's going to have a magic baby with no dad, but then we find out later through – the Vader comic that Palpatine is the one that actually manipulated the midichlorians in her stomach to make Anakin. Like that is some horrifying stuff. And the scene, the way it's drawn is, and I don't know if y'all have seen it, but it is creepy. Like it's Palpatine's hands like around her belly, influencing the midichlorians in her stomach to make Anakin is awful.
2: Now this is from the more, recent vader yeah. comic not from kieran gillen's run right
1: correct it was the it's the last issue it's uh issue 25 of vader by uh soul
2: okay okay they, um
1: kind of show it uh, basically of palpatine manipulating it to make that happen and so i mean that's some straight up body horror
3: it was a uh, in the expanded universe it was darth Plagueis that created anakin um, in the play, in James Luceno's uh, 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 Darth Plagueis novel, which we will at some way be covering on our podcast because it's a great book, but uh, it was it was him, although Palpatine was there, that kind of created uh, Anakin out of midi chlorians. Um, but that was hinted at in Revenge of the Sith. Um, it's hinted at in the opera scene. Yeah, so, it is really fucking creepy, though.
2: All right, that's all I got for that one. I'm so so taken aback, I have no words. I was was aware of this uh, revelation, but honestly hadn't, I guess just hadn't considered it too much, because I'm still, despite the fact that Disney has gone out of their way to say that everything now is canon and that, uh, you know, it all counts, I don't think I'll ever... Totally accept as much as I love Marvel's comics, uh, and as much as I, I've enjoyed uh, Timothy Zahn's books as far as I've gotten into them so far, I don't think my brain will ever fully accept everything as canon just from being an Expanded Universe fan for so many years and knowing that it really wasn't all real. Like, even while we were reading it, okay. I, I never, like, I always knew if they do new movies, they're not going to pay any attention to this shit.
1: <laughs> now, see, and without getting into it, because that could be a whole other podcast, like, I think that them specifically bringing out that, yep, Palpatine did this, is about to be a huge part of the rise of Skywalker. It might be, uh, yeah. It
3: could
2: yeah. could be an
3: Easter egg. Entirely yeah.
2: possible. Entirely possible.
3: Uh, but that speculation will wait for another day. Indeed. Yeah. Right, right.
2: Yeah, uh, another day uh, that will come within the next two months, probably. Yeah. Uh, all right. Any more thoughts about uh, Rapatine? <laughs> I'm still digesting that. Who, who, by the way, whose first name is indeed Sheev, Sheev. which sounds like a guy who would have a white van.
3: S-H-E-E-V. Yikes. Sheev. Yeah. Uh
2: all right well then we will move on. Uh Lucas
3: never met a fucked up name he didn't like.
2: <laughs> <laughs> somebody was I can't remember exactly what it was. I was reading something online today about the Mandalorian and somebody was kind of mocking. Oh it was about the uh the name of his ship, the Razor Spine or something. I can't remember what it's called. Somebody was kind of making fun of that and I was like, hey, "How long have you been a Star Wars fan now? You you need <laughs> you, you need to get over that shit immediately. If you can't deal with that, Maybe you should go find another franchise to enjoy.
3: It's part of the fun. Yeah, it absolutely <laughs>
2: is. All right. Um. So let's move fun. on. Uh. Beth, what is your first uh, major Star Wars spookiness?
0: Uh. Well, to continue in the body horror theme that oh, Ryan started, I am going to start with Doctor Evazan, or Evazan, or I don't know how you mm-hmm. pronounce it. That guy before he was starting bar fights with Luke and Obi-Wan, he was a plastic surgeon who actually just for fun, fun and profit just started mutilating people. And the by far creepiest thing that he did was, if you don't know what they are, look up a picture of the decraniated because he basically cut the tops off of people's heads and turned them into worse than droids he made them slaves with zero emotion and like some giant weird visor over the tops of their noses they are so terrifying and just the fact that he was doing like weird experiments on people to begin with is creepy but then goes in and starts chopping the tops of people's heads off to make them into some kind of like droid zombie slave is fucking terrifying (laughs) <laughs> there is so much more to that guy than you will get from watching a new hope
2: well there but there's there's something on a very base level that's horrifying about being dehumanized in that way uh and and actually one of my picks that i have is along those lines where your uh your agency and your persona are taken from you that that is on such a deep level, just absolute monstrosity. And, and you're right; that's what Evazan does, and he has no—I mean, he is a complete sociopath, no regard whatsoever for other life forms.
1: He's got a really good arc recently too in the Afro comic. Yes, where he yes. essentially does like saw basically where he. <laughs>
3: Yeah, he makes
1: does. Afra and Triple Zero stay close to each other. Their heads will
2: explode just for, to see what will happen.
3: And, and broadcast it through the galaxy.
2: And his buddy Pondobaba has a new arm. <laughs> yeah,
3: well, I mean, he's going to.
2: That's
1: nice of him, though. You know, he's got a heart, too. He wants his buddy to be okay.
3: That's my absolute favorite robot chicken
1: sketch.
3: Is <laughs> the, the Star Wars Pondobaba robot chicken sketch. <laughs> <laughs> so so good that oh. dude it, his buddy was talking shit and he got his arm cut off for it
1: yeah. and the decree you know, that's one of those things too I'm kind of surprised Disney like allowed that into the movies yeah because it's creepy looking in the background like you, it's kind of one of those things you kind of see for a second and then you're like well what the hell is that and like
0: yeah you kind of see them in the back and you're like wait was that is that a person without the top of their head what is going on
3: <laughs> oh is that in Solo you're talking yeah. About? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty
2: fucked up. Yeah, I I it, it's it's always funny to me when people accuse Disney of sanitizing things or, or of being too sensitive to to darker, more grim content. Uh did you guys not grow up watching the movies where everybody's parents got murdered in the first five minutes? Like we'll get we'll get to the battle for Endor eventually. Let's, yes. <laughs> <laughs> let's just settle down and take stock of Disney's history of scarring us all as human beings uh, before we get too concerned about them censoring content. Uh, all right. So yes, Doctor Evazan, Grade A creep, uh, was expanded upon in, uh, upon in. Legends, the old expanded What's... universe and, and has, as Ryan said uh, received new attention in the Doctor Aphra comic which by the way is excellent and and ending If yeah I know, which on the one hand I'm sad, on the other hand you know what, I'm always happy when something has a conclusion and doesn't have the opportunity to get bad mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and that
1: comic itself has had like other kind of horror elements with like the Weird force ghost thing that possesses people. Like. Yeah,
2: that paladin or whatever it was <laughs> that was trying to eliminate uh, evil. And well, any if you see yeah. Kieran Gillen's name on a Star Wars comic, just buy it that because is true. he yes. carried he carried his story from Vader to Dr. Afra uh, to the actual Star Wars comic. And it's this incredible arc that he laid out and followed through on. It's amazing. I, I feel like at some point they'll do a, like, Kieran Gillen Star Wars omnibus that just collects all of it. Uh, and uh, for the listeners, if you see it, just buy it. I know it'll be like 150 bucks, but just wait for Amazon to fuck up and mark it to, like, 60 or something and get it. It's great. It's good stuff. Uh, all right, it's my turn, and... I'm I'm gonna one of my picks, just real quick, was going to be the novel uh New Jedi New Jedi Order Traitor, uh by Matthew Stover. I knew,
3: I knew you were gonna do that one. I we've I talked about this. It, I know. It's I
2: know. one of the most dark and disturbing things I've ever read. Uh it's about an alien well, who isn't an alien in a galaxy far, far away. Uh but there is a, a, a being named Vergier who tortures and brainwashes Han and Leia's oldest son, who eventually becomes a Sith Lord, who eventually imposes dictatorial control over the New Republic, and eventually is killed by his sister Jaina. It's horrifying and dark, and all of that doesn't happen in that novel. Uh, But, quite frankly, it would just be dull to sit here and talk about that. So instead, I'm going to talk about my Star Wars bobbleheads. Uh, So... (laughs) Uh, But it's fascinating because, as we mentioned at the top of the show, we don't often see a focus on the horror elements of Star Wars, uh, and we don't see a lot of crossover with horror and Star Wars, although I'm sure we'll get to some specific instances before the episode is over. Uh, But in 2010, Target, uh, for Halloween, got these exclusive bobbleheads from Funko, because Funko makes fucking everything now. Uh, and they are zombified versions of Yoda, Darth Vader, and a stormtrooper. And this came out a couple of years after... I'll, I'll go ahead and mention it because it's going to be one of my topics, uh, the novel Death Troopers, uh, which is not about the black-clad stormtroopers that we saw in Rogue One, uh, but it was something else entirely. But these are spooky kind of classic retro lowbrow art style interpretations of vader a stormtrooper and yoda as zombies they're really messed up looking they're all stylized this is not like a standard yoda body with a creepy little head the whole thing the whole aesthetic is this uh almost rat finky horror type thing going on each figure, uh, you can hear a little, oh, listen to that head bobble. Uh, each figure has, it's, it's, they're all 100% new sculpts. They're not based on anything else at all. These are all artist designed and created with exaggerated proportions. Uh, they're all freaky looking. The stormtrooper actually has like a little rib cage sculpted into his armor. Uh, he's got cracks and stuff all over the place. And, uh, to me these are a very special unique star wars item because as a collector of star wars memorabilia and of horror memorabilia these are sort of the rare intersection of my interests uh and i grabbed all three of them at the time they came out and they kind of came and went and and haven't really been talked about a whole lot since do you guys remember these things at all Oh yeah, Yoda looks like a little crackhead. Yeah, he's got the he's got these like bloodshot eyes with deep, deep like dark green recesses around him. Um, Vader actually has like these weird teeth inside the grill of his mask, uh, and his eyes are all misshapen. Uh, they're they're just these great little art pieces. And normally, I hate bobbleheads. Uh, to me, bobbleheads are not toys; they're junk that you get from like a baseball game. But when they're this focused and this specific towards a couple of my interests, I I had to get them. I absolutely had to. Uh, So I love these
3: things. The only bobblehead I've ever owned I got from a baseball game.
2: See? Exactly. That's what I'm talking about.
3: And it was of a player that hit a home run against my team that night. So (laughs) I went home. So I went home and I slotted it with peanut butter and I gave it to my husky. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck as, you, Manny Ramirez, Cheat, cheating does. bastard.
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love these things. They're they're some of the only bobbleheads that I have on display in my collection, and they're actually right in front of uh, Jabba's sail barge uh, in in a place of honor because they're such a specific, delightful set of items that I've I've never seen anything else like this from Star Wars. Not officially licensed, anyway. So I love these things, and that's that's uh, my first piece of Star Wars horror. Okay. Does, uh, does anybody else have a, a tidbit to throw in there before we move on to uh, round two, I guess, or chapter uh, two?
3: I've never seen them, so I don't know. Oh, um, I haven't seen. well. I will well put... first of all, can we agree that sand is the scariest thing in the Star Wars universe? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. All right.
2: You know what? I'm glad you brought that up because I'd like to address that. Mm -hmm. That line is the recipient of so much mockery. Mm -hmm. But who likes sand? (laughs) Sand does get everywhere. Sand (laughs) is terrible.
3: You are not inaccurate, but it is not the best way to pick up a woman.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's true, also,
3: the joke is that it's in context of what's supposed to be a romantic scene,
2: and yet Hayden Christensen is better at picking up women than I ever was, yeah, that so, has well, nothing to do
3: with how you talk.
1: one of the books really needs to like go into the damage that Padme has like romantically because there must be something in her background that makes the way that Anakin hits on her acceptable like she's got some like terrible boyfriend in the past that has led her to this place.
3: Well, we'll get to that when we review Queen's Shadow by E.K.
2: <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, Alright, so let's move on to uh, Chapter 2 of the Star Wars Halloween special. Uh, Ryan, why don't you kick us off?
1: So my second one isn't horror and much as how it plays out, but what it should have been the setup for, I think. And that's how the clone wars kind of started and played out and again something that is not talked about a lot like it it was definitely explored in like rebels and clone wars where they kind of went through yeah the clones each have individual personalities and breaking free and all that but the idea that they show up there's an army of clones that are designed to grow up and die that are designed to kill and also have an embedded kill switch in them like that's the start of a horror movie and they don't acknowledge it. They're just like, yep, all right, we got a clone army now. Let's keep going. And never once stopping to think, like, this could go really badly, which, of course, it does.
2: You know, that's a good point. They really do kind of gloss it. Well, it's looked at in some of Karen Travis's novels, uh, mm-hmm. and Clone Wars looked at it a little bit. But as far yeah. as the, the motion pictures are concerned, they really do gloss over the horror of the idea of these clones. George ain't got time for that.
0: <laughs> they're just—they're people still, but they're so completely disposable to everyone in the movies.
1: And
3: they all I look just... the same, and they all sound the same, and yeah, there is a, a real creepy element to them. And you're right; it just—they're—they're just, they're, they're just kind of there. We just get used to them.
1: Yeah. Like in real life like that yeah that should be the start of a horror movie like yep clone army designed to kill also they're gonna die at any moment so here
3: we go anyone else get the feeling he wrote the word clone Wars in the 70s and had no idea what that meant it just Absolutely. sounded sci-fi
2: for sure For yeah. sure because that's you know the the first time the Clone Wars are mentioned is in a new hope when he's yep. talking about it was a pilot in the Clone Wars yep which as we now know, is a uh, somewhat off-base description of Anakin Skywalker. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I got for my second one.
2: That's solid, because the, it, if... Uh, again, Star Wars is something that you can read as much as you want into it. And there's a definite parallel. I mean, th- this is something that's that's inescapable in the films or in the in the prequels. Uh, the parallel between clones and droids is, you know, very in your face as mm-hmm. far as how they're regarded by the rest of the galaxy and how they're used by the powers that be. Uh, but you don't necessarily have to think about it if you don't want to, because it's like, look at the cool dudes in armor firing blasters, pew pew, awesome. <laughs> And then and then a droid gets blown up, and it's hilarious. Well, battle droids are made to die. Well, absolutely, but so are clones. That's true. That's true. That's true. Good call, Ryan. Absolutely horrifying, yep. uh, sy- systemic horror, if you will. <laughs> uh, all right, Chad, what is your next big pick?
3: Okay, I got a couple, but I'll, I'll go with this. So we're talking Halloween, and one thing that comes to my mind at Halloween is like slasher movies. And slasher movies isn't what you'd normally associate with Star Wars until you realize that Lucas chose for his family space opera a signature weapon that would go on to dismember more people than the French Revolution. <laughs> Just for memory, so I'm sure I missed some. I've counted six arms, six hands, one leg, seven heads, and three dudes that got straight up sliced in half. Not counting battle droids or lights or younglings off screen, the lightsaber is an exceptionally violent weapon that in the hands of Jason or or Michael Myers would seem at home. But in Star Wars, it's normally the good guys that are cutting off arms and legs and hands. And there's just this... uh, It's it's a a weapon of a
2: more elegant time, right? That's what I was was going to say. It (laughs) is, but it's
3: this motif throughout all of the films that they've continued to an extent of just dismemberment. Um, you know, uh, Attack of the Clones got censored in Britain because of the scene where Anakin uh, decapitates the Sand People. They had to cut that bit out in the UK. Well, that's what I was going to say. it didn't match their ratings.
2: Any one Star Wars film has more graphic murders than Friday the 13th Part 7.
3: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: So there's just kind of this
3: slasher thing of people with their hands cut off and their arms cut off and and the way Anakin dies with an arm and a leg (laughs) cut off, you know. And not to mention, 3PO is blown apart how many times? At least three times that 3PO was broken into pieces. Um, I don't even think I'm counting the Wampa, you know. (laughs) Like, I'm not counting the pieces of the Acklay that that, uh, Obi-Wan cuts off on Geonosis. Um, the lightsaber is a very violent weapon that leads to some, if it weren't for the um, the let's just say saving grace of quote unquote cauterizing the wounds which that, by that...
2: the way Ponda Baba's arm is not cauterized no it is not, no, it's a bloody mess, yeah neither is the Wampa you're right
3: so um, I don't know, to me like just that idea that there are so many limbs lying around <laughs> in Star Wars uh, just <laughs> makes me feel very horror movie-ish Um <laughs> Uh, especially, it, it, but it, but at the same time, those moments are also scary. I mean, Luke losing his hand was t- horrifying in *Empire Strikes Back* it's when that moment happens. It's It's, 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 it's ridiculous. It, it, it's really scary. Uh, even when Anakin gets his arm chopped off and attack of clones and gets beat, um, uh, there are just a number of of moments. But yeah, the the and then the the moment and then to me, my favorite moment in *Return of the Jedi* is when Luke. uh when uh, Vader taunts Luke about Leia, and then Luke kicks his ass um, with that great musical score. With his voice, the the male choir comes in, and that ends with him chopping off Vader's hand. And it's a it's not a good thing. It's kind of a bad thing. But yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, even cutting people in half, Darth Maul, um, Kylo Ren cuts lore, and Von Siddal in half at the beginning of Attack of Force Awakens. And then, of course, Kylo cutting Snoke in half. Like, I mean, they've continued that, that theme, you know, of, well, of, of the lightsaber doing what a lightsaber should do.
2: This isn't dismemberment, but to me, the most shocking lightsaber kill was in the Clone Wars, uh, the, the animated series. And I oh, yeah. cannot remember who the victim was, but Anakin is standing behind him, and all of a sudden, the lightsaber just comes out of this guy's chest.
3: Yeah, they managed to show more darkness and more potential darkness in uh, Anakin on the show than Lucas did in the movies.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, the the Clone Wars is the reason Anakin isn't uh, a complete... And and look, I don't want to bag on Hayden Christensen or certainly Jake Lloyd. uh, And I do think they're redeeming things that occur in all three of the prequels, but... Clone Wars is the reason Anakin is taken seriously at all in any way in modern times. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: yeah. So it just you know, there's just a lot of. I mean, the, the when he kills Dooku, it's very in oh my three, gosh, it's very brutal.
2: It's I um, think what's I think that because it's so deliberate, it's not yes. during combat. It's Story. not an act of defense. It's an act of aggression. It's a it's a murder
3: yeah he murders him, yes, but first he cuts his hands off. Right. then
2: he cuts his head off.: Well, he, then, gets, I it, mean, he gets it, it bad. leads really it bad. To be fair though, they're all about cutting hands off. like that's, that's just kind of a daily Jedi thing.:
3: Yeah, No. I, and I guess the idea is that it's more humane than taking a life um, is always how I've seen. but I mean Obi-Wan cuts off Zam Wessel's arm in the sports bar. Uh, uh, Yoda cuts off a couple clone heads. They try to come get him for order sixty six. Um, there's just a whole lot of whole lot of heads rolling, whole lot of arms and it just it just reminded me of, you know, watching a horror movie.
1: Absolutely. One horror movie thing with the lightsabers too is the the lighting that it gives the characters where it lights yeah. up their faces in certain parts kind of looks very horror movie ish, where you'll have that red light reflecting on them or even the green sometimes after Yoda cuts those heads off. Like
3: it's yeah. a good point. Yeah.
1: It adds that element to it.
0: I really now want to see an edit of these movies with blood instead of the car. <laughs> I, I want to see a full-on horror movie now, or at least if I can't do that, I want to go back and rewatch them and just imagine
2: all the blood,
1: <laughs> like a Kill Bill where it's just spurting <laughs> everywhere. <Yes. laughs> I just yeah.
2: want to see, and I'm, I'm sure it's out there on YouTube. I just want to see a supercut of all of the lightsaber dismemberments. I'm I'm sure it is. Yeah.
3: It's out there for sure. It'll be a
0: long video.
3: Yeah. I mean, and except I didn't count battle droids whose heads come off all the time. They're designed so the Jedi can lop their heads off. (laughs) I mean, that's what battle droids are for. Um, but yeah, so I just, I don't know. Lightsabers are, are, are for a, what's inevitably or, or sensibly, sorry, a, a family space opera. It's a pretty violent tool. Um, to dispatch their enemies, uh, and it, and for some reason he just likes cutting people's arm. Even Mace Windu got his arm cut off. So, but yeah, that was that. That's my one of my last one, one of my big ones. We uh,
2: we can't very well finish this episode, and and we're not quite to the end yet. But I do feel like I have to bring up Death Troopers and Red Harvest. Uh, it's not one of my picks, but it's something we've got to briefly discuss. Uh, sure. Has has everybody read at least Death Troopers?
0: I've read Death Troopers, but I don't remember it terribly well.
2: Uh, I mean, honestly, all it is is aliens, or alien, but with zombies, and in Star Wars. That's about right, yeah. they, They slap a skin on it, they throw Han and Chewie in there, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think you could actually take different types of fiction and slap a Star Wars skin on it and get something that's entertaining. And I, I would never claim that Death Troopers is the greatest book of all time, but if you're a horror fan and you're a Star Wars fan, it's a very satisfying read. It it delivers exactly what you want from a Star Wars zombie book, in my opinion. Uh, it's creepy. It's, you know, like I said, it's got hot and chewy, so it's got your touchstones that you need for it to really feel Star Warsy. Uh, The story is very basic bone stuff, but it, it gave me what I wanted. As a matter of fact, I would say it was better than I expected it to be because there are novels that are sort of standard issue Star Wars novels that are garbage. And I kind of expected this one to be that, but it entertained me in a very horror and Star Wars kind of way. Chad, I think I think you're not as big a fan of it as I am.
3: I, I am not, um, but I think we'd be remiss not to tag on Galaxy of Fear. Uh, does anybody remember Galaxy of Fear?
2: Oh man, you're gonna have to refresh. Uh, the, yeah. You say Galaxy, it, but it rings a bell.
3: Galaxy of Fear was a twelve volume young reader series by John Whitman published back in 97 and 98. They're basically, what if R.L. Stein wrote Star Wars?
2: Whoa, no, I don't think I know anything about this.
3: They're they're 12 books that were basically just riffing off of the success of Goosebumps. Um, They followed a brother and sister who were on a field trip when their home planet of Alderaan was destroyed, and they go around and get into a bunch of spooky situations, and they cross paths with movie, NEU characters. Listen, I didn't read them all, but I read more than a few. They're not great. Um, They're not as good as Goosebumps, even. Um, but you know, back then I would read anything Star Wars and by back then I mean like my late teens. Sure. But, um, this was, this was the first thing that popped in my mind. And, and again, they're not great, but there's some cool stuff in there. There's a zombie story with Dr. Evazan. Um, there's one, I don't know what it's about, but the cover has giant bugs and Grand Emerald on it. So it's gotta be great. <laughs> and then the, and then the one that I think Dave would especially like is called Brain Spiders, which is about an insane Bomar monk who is murdering people at Java's palace. And I have no idea if it's any good, but holy shit, I want to make the movie.
4: So, <laughs> um,
3: so Galaxy of Fear was kind of their first foray, even though on a kid level, into making scary stories, spooky stories in the Star Wars universe. They have these cool, kind of pulpy-looking covers, um, and uh, and yeah, again, they're a young reader, like seven, eight-year-old, ten-year-old books. Whatever a Goosebump reader is, I don't know. And um and yeah and they were a whole they were they were their first push into quote unquote horror stories or supernatural stories at least they were very goosebumpsy.
2: That's awesome. I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, track those down.
3: I do, I have I think I enjoyed Death Troopers, but I think Red Harvest I didn't, and it kind of tempered my whole opinion of. The whole thing.
2: I'm with you on that. I did not care for Red Harvest, and and it's weird because... Other than
3: the title, I like the title.
2: Right. The the title's fantastic, and the premise sounded so good, and the book ended up being so boring. Yeah.
3: Uh, That is always a risk.
2: Yeah. Ryan, did you, you read both of them?
1: I did, but it's been a while since I've read them. And yeah, I remember thinking the same thing. I think I like Death Troopers, but Red Harvest... I'm not even sure I finished Red Harvest...
2: It was it was tough to get through and I, I, I slogged it out, but I, I aside from refreshing myself on Wikipedia earlier today, I couldn't have told you a whole lot about it. Uh Beth, yeah. what about you? Did you get both of them done or just Death Troopers?
0: I think just Death Troopers. Red Harvest sounds familiar, but uh I don't think I read it. It's
2: it's the prequel that tells the story of how the virus was created. Yeah. Um that creates the zombies in Death Troopers.
0: Uh, see, I don't think I like Death Troopers enough to have read a prequel about it.
2: Don't, uh, don't worry about it. And and what's interesting is there are two different types of zombies thus far uh, that have been introduced in Star Wars in any form, and that's the viral zombies that are in Death Troopers and Red Harvest, and then the brain worms from Clone Wars... That's, that's on my list. That, oh, okay. Well, then I'll leave that alone. No, no, for no, not,
3: not, no. It was just a bullet point on my list. Uh, yeah,
0: I, I had a another zombie bullet point, which was Night Sister zombies.
2: Yes, yes. Oh, you're right. So that's three different kinds of zombies, which the Night Sister zombies are the more traditional uh, voodoo type of zombies and not the modern zombies as we think of them. Um, if you go into
3: expanded fiction, there are a lot of Sith lords that kind of come back to life in zombie or mummy like ways. Well yeah, um, that's true. There is a lot stories. of returning
2: from the dead in one form or yeah.
3: another. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, uh Clone War season two, it's an episode called Brain Invaders. About yes. uh Genosian body snatching brainworms like aliens or the thing. It's kind of like the thing a little bit.
2: That well, it's oh, the Genosian what? queen uses these brainworms to control her her dead troops and it's in Legacy. Well, well, and of she Terror. controls
3: a bunch of clones too in this up. Ep- and that that episode the brainworms take over some clones.
2: Oh, wow. I think Legacy of Terror was the one that was just her her Genosians. Yeah, yeah. It, who yeah. also featured by the way in the Lego Star Wars uh, Clone Wars game. So you're controlling undead Geonosians in a Lego game. It's delightful. Oh, that's
3: right. Oh, now I am remembering that episode with the undead Geonosians. That was fucked up.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, I'm I mean, it was yeah.
2: very much, it, it was created to be like a horror movie because it was kind of early on in Clone Wars where they were still feeling things out and they made a little horror movie.
3: Well, Clone Wars tried different genres. Yeah, absolutely. Here and there, and they did little homages. They did their, like, Seven Samurai episode. They did, you know, they did episodes based on other movies that were clearly kind of shout-outs.
2: Weird Um, that they didn't make one based on The Fortress, huh?
3: No.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They did not do one on
3: Hidden Fortress. It's
2: it's almost like... All right, Hidden Fortress, you're right.
3: Hidden Fortress, yeah. They did not do that. It's almost like they've
2: been there before. Yeah, they've Uh, already done that. All right, to get to my, my official second pick uh again i've got to dip back to the the original trilogy and talk about the trash compactor scene uh talk about uh, an almost hitchcock-like sense of terror because not only do you have these these characters in a locked room Dealing with their impending demise. The walls are closing in. They're panicking. They're freaking out. They're in an unusual situation. They're not even wearing their own clothes. And then this monster, and this is where we go back to the unknown, uh, at least in the context of the movie. This monster takes one of them under the water, which is a little weird.
3: What's takes he take, doesn't take one of them. He takes Luke. He takes Luke. And he takes and our he's, hero.
2: He's us. He's our hero. Yeah, which is when a little weird when, because when they appear to be, they appear to be standing in about eight inches of water. So I'm not sure where <laughs> Luke went. It's always been very confusing. And and as you as you get older in your life, you realize that's eight inches of like poo water, <laughs> which is even worse of imperial poo water. Imperial poo water. Yeah. Uh, but that whole scene is so intense. Uh talking to 3PO on the com Link when they're screaming into the comlink and it gets a bit of levity when they're all uh once he has entered the right code and the walls stop contracting and they're all d- yelling with joy and 3PO has this moment of oh listen to them they're all dying like you get that moment of much needed levity right at the end of this very intense scene of seemingly no escape uh and as a kid uh much like the Dagobah cave You know, we all watched Star Wars as many times as we could, whether it was once the VHSs came out or if it was broadcast on CBS or whatever the case may be. You know, by the time we were, say, 12, we had probably seen the original trilogy maybe four times if we were lucky. Five times? Maybe. Oh,
3: wait. Oh, I had all three of them on a VHS.
2: But the VHS didn't even start coming out until, what, 86?
3: um maybe i don't
2: think jedi came out on vhs it might have been 85 so that would have been nine years old yeah so we didn't even have a vhs until we were old enough that our brains were kind of working a lot better and we were recognized we were starting to recognize tropes and storytelling and things like that uh So a lot of what Star Wars was to us early in our lives was what we had made up in our heads to fill in the blanks. Uh, But anyway, my point was... We have the internet for that. Yeah, right. Now the internet does it all for us. Uh, But my point was, however many times I experienced the Dagobah cave and the trash compactor scene... uh, they terrified me every time because i didn't have the level of familiarity I have now, and they were still creepy and they were still horrifying and Even though I knew our heroes made it at one point, it was still their peril that upset me and their th- this trash compactor scene is just intense and terrifying and If you can put yourself in the character's shoes uh it's a horrifying situation
3: garbage masher three two six three eight, two seven.
2: Yes, exactly. That's what I have written here. I just went with trash compactor.
3: Well, because I'll, I'll always hear Luke's voice yelling that, that number, <laughs> so I'll always remember it. I, you know, and That kind of piggybacks a little bit on something I wanted to mention real fast, which was um, perhaps the most consistent evidence in Star, of Star Wars' B-movie roots is monsters. Yes. Right? Is that, that, there's, that almost, not every film, but almost every film has a monster sequence. You know, um, uh, whether it's The Oceans of Naboo or The Pits of Geonosis or The Garbage Masher or The Sarlacc, um, to me, the one that always scared me as a kid was The Rancor. But the the idea of um, of this old school, especially The Rancor, is very Harryhausen stop motion at times. Yes. or yes. You know, and, and just this idea of, of each of the films, and, and J.J. did it in Force Awakens as well, is just... A monster scene, <laughs> some kind of monster, and everything, which is, you know, I always thought was was always very B movie of them, um, and they're not always important to the plot, but like space slugs and the, the 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 Dianoga and the Rathnars, and even even newer characters like Lady Proxima or something, or um, I don't know. There's just this uh, the the monster chase scene, you know. Well, and um, they've used monster fight.
2: They've used every method of bringing monsters to the screen. They've used puppetry. They've used guy in a suit. They've used stop motion. They've used everything you can think of. And that's one of the things that's most admirable. And that's what I love about the Dianoga is, as kids, we had no idea. All we saw was the eye stalk, right?
3: That, movie, that moment freaked the shit out of as a kid. It
2: And it's, <laughs> yeah. it's in yeah. that um, it's yeah. sped up. The frame rate's increased or whatever to make it look like it's moving faster than the puppet actually was. And it's super scary until you get the trash compactor that came with the Death Star (laughs) playset, and you see that the Dianoga is this stupid-looking little, like, shark with tentacle wings and a head that vaguely resembles the thing that was in the movie, which is not... all what lucas intended it to be it's just what kenner came up with based on the source materials that they had available yeah uh the dianoga has appeared as everything from that thing to a a sort of octopus looking cephalopod
3: like a bulimic octopus right to
2: a big like snake type creature like it's been depicted many different ways i think the official thing is the octopus with the eye stalk basically uh, but I love the fact that a few years ago they released Luke's X-wing. Uh, it, it was the it came with a sort of Dagobah crash kit, uh, and it came with an updated version of the trash compactor Dianoga. So it's like the same basic body oh, nice. shape and everything, but updated to modern standards. Right. It's it's a cool little figure. It's and it's one of those neat things that Hasbro does that that's not canon. But they were like, well, let's let's do a tribute to an old toy. Uh, so, yeah, trash compactor scene. Super freaked me out. And now we move on to Beth. Wrap up uh, this second round of ours.
0: Well, we touched on it a little bit. But I would like to go further into what a creepy fucking stalker Anakin is. <laughs> okay, okay terrifying he knew a girl for a couple weeks when he was nine years old then proceeds to think about her every single day for the next 10 years and then when he finally sees her again he says the dumbest stalkiest thing ever you're exactly how i remember you in my dreams (laughs) who says that to a girl except a creepy stalker He was supposed to be trained to be a damn Jedi. He's sitting around thinking about some girl that he knew for two, three weeks tops.
3: I would like to point out, if -hmm. if the first girl you met was Natalie Portman, you'd probably think about her a lot, too.
0: Yeah, not if she acted like that, you know, not if she was acting like she was in the movies. That's fair, that's fair. (laughs) Well,
1: and she says, like, Please don't look at me like that. And he just kind of like glares at her. Like, it's yeah. horrible.
3: It would not fly today.
0: No. Uh-oh. And he, he's so busy obsessing about her, he forgets all about, oh, remember how I was going to go back and free the slave and get my mom out of slavery? Mm, I think I'm going to try to force this girl to love me instead.
3: Well, if we remember, and, and- the entire empire falls because uh, he has a dream that she dies. Or the entire Republic falls, right? Because he has a dream that she's going to die. That I think
2: at this point we've pretty much verified was placed in his head by Sheev.
3: Yeah, like so. The entire like last hour of Revenge of the Sith is because of his obsession with her. Um, And he's
0: he's so obsessed with her that he force chokes the woman that he is so desperately in love with, just because. Oh, you brought Obi Wan to this planet, you bitch! I'm going to force choke you.
3: She totally Look, should have fucked Obi-Wan.
2: I'm not going to lie. If I thought I was going on a date with my special girl and she shows up with Ewan McGregor in tow, I'm probably going to force choke a bitch, too. That's true. What chance saying, do you have? Right, right. What's yeah. the point then? Uh, yeah, just, no, you're 100% weird. right. Anakin is a creepy weirdo. In There is no context in which the romance depicted in Attack of the Clones works at all.
3: No. It's to me it's the biggest failing of the prequels is because it just needed to the romance needed to work and it just doesn't. It doesn't come across as love. It doesn't come across as romance. It doesn't come across as real. It's just yeah.
2: And you know, I will go so far as to say if the chemistry had been there, if the storytelling had been there, we would have a much fonder general memory of the prequels than we do if that facet of it had been executed well i think we would forgive a lot of the the garbage parts of it a lot more than we do oh yeah because we'd have the central story that we need
3: i think it actually has over time I remember when Attack of the Clones came out, it was it was generally regarded as being better, at least it wasn't Phantom Menace was kind of some of the tone that you got from people. But I think over time because specifically because of that storyline and Sand and all their scenes together, I actually think Attack of the Clones is now I think more widely considered the worst Star Wars movie. Yeah, I, um, I
2: think it's it's the worst of the prequels. For, yeah. for sure, and that yeah uh, and that's I didn't something. feel that way,
3: I didn't feel that way coming out of
2: it, no, I didn't either, yeah, I didn't either, um, and it's saying something because there are a lot of really cool sequences in attack of the clones, but the stuff that's bad is the worst stuff we've seen in Star Wars, and I say that as somebody I mean you guys all know how I feel about the last Jedi but there's nothing in The Last Jedi that's nearly as bad as the worst shit in Attack of the Clones.
3: No, I just, you just want to, uh, yeah. Just, it, makes, it makes the middle of that movie near unwatchable. Yes, absolutely. And, and I can watch The Phantom Menace, but I, Attack of the Clones is rough.
0: She is so wooden and uncomfortable and awkward, and I don't know if she was playing it that way on purpose because he was a super creep.
2: Because she's I've like, what do I do she- with this guy?
3: <laughs> I think some wires got crossed as far as her, what she was doing and what, you know, I mean, she's a very good actor. She, she's a better actor, obviously, than she is in the movie. Everybody is. But I think some wires got crossed. I think she was playing it differently than Lucas thought. And then John Williams puts on this big, soaring love theme. And you're like, I'm not feeling that <laughs> at all.
0: Yeah, she, she seems like she does not want to be around
3: him. Until all of a sudden, she does. That's
0: the weird part
1: about it. There's no moment where you see, like, okay, I can see why she has fallen in love with him. Did you see him ride that tick? (laughs) (laughs) If, if... He force-fed her some fruit with the force. Well, that's what I was... Force-fed her.
2: (laughs) What, uh... I mean, how, how much of a leap would it be at this point if something was introduced into canon that Anakin was compelling her to love him? Yeah. Using the force,
3: I could totally believe that. I mean, to be fair, she marries him after he confesses to chop to killing like a whole bunch of Tuscan Raiders.
2: <laughs> right,
3: he kills all those Tuscan Raiders. She's like, "That's cool."
0: He was really sad at the time.
3: He was really yeah. He did regret it at the moment. That's true. Kind of no.
0: I mean, he was really sad about his mom.
3: Oh yes, <laughs> okay, bad,
0: yeah. he felt bad about it.
3: Not about the baby Tuscans he killed. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. He he. It also has to do with um, Hayden Christensen's stare, or his look. It's not necessarily, that's not even necessarily his fault, to be honest. But there are some faces just, when playing certain ways, just come across in a creepy way. I had a friend who made a movie, and he got some bad notices about the performance of the lead character that I thought was really good. But he has this look in his eyes that makes it where everything he says just comes across creepy even if it's nice or romantic or sweet or meant to be completely gentle. Um, so I think Hayden Christensen just brought, whether he's directed or not, whatever, brought this intensity to it that I think if, if the character would have been a lot lighter and more fun and not as, as, as overwhelmingly intense as he tried to make him, um, I think that stuff would work a lot better. It still wouldn't be well-written, but like, there's no... There's no looseness between them. There's no rapport between them. They're just saying these this very stilted dialogue. And um, anyway, yeah, that's what we're getting to. Is the scariest thing in Star Wars is the romance <laughs> between Padme <Batman> and Anakin <laughs> is the most frightening thing in all of Star Wars. Even
2: more frightening than the incestuous romance between Luke and Leia. Absolutely. You
1: gotta think like. There's got to be some point too where they're making sweet space love, and he touches her with that creepy <laughs> robot hand. That she's got to be like, "Whoa, buddy, let's take that <laughs> thing off for this or something."
2: Yeah, he so, might take it off before. She's like, I'd, "I'd I'd rather deal with yeah, the stump."
0: Does she, <laughs> does she want to be touched by the nub?
2: Yeah, let's just let's keep the nub here in the sense Nub, nub, Yup nub. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, we got to yeah yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We got to bring this thing home. Sure. Uh, but I, we we want to get some last mentions in, uh, sure. and I've got one question for each of you before we do wrap it up. Uh, but real quick, I've got to mention Tales from Vader's Castle.
4: Uh-huh.
2: It's a miniseries that was published last year. It's it's part of the Star Wars adventures that IDW Publishing uh, releases. It's an all-ages line, but when I say all-ages, I don't mean kids' comics. I just mean it's appropriate oh, it's... for anyone. And Tales from Vader's Castle is an anthology series. It's each issue. It's almost like Creep Show, but in Star Wars. Uh, and there are even some very, uh, very common horror tropes used. The Ewok issue is particularly fantastic. It's oh, basically great. it's basically the Wicker Man, but with Ewoks. Uh, oh, the Wicked Man. The Wicked Man. That yes, movie? yes.
1: I really like the Dooku Vampire ep- issue. Is excellent. We're basically so with the giant, my yes. not kind of creature.
2: That's it, a vampire, energy vampire. It's uh, it's a fantastic miniseries. It's available as a collection now. Um, and this year, starting this month, uh, they are. I think it's called Return to Vader's Castle, but it's a sequel mm-hmm. series by the same writer, a lot of the same artists. Nice. And I highly recommend it. Go grab it. Go to your local comic book shop and and put it on your pull list and get it. It's it's either five. I think it's five issues. Yes. Um, yeah, because it's we it's weekly throughout October. Uh, but it's it's absolutely fantastic. It's it's fun Halloween reading. Fun Star Wars reading. Highly recommend it. Um, well, to tag
3: to the castle real quick. Yeah. Um, on the Vader's castle, I played Vader Immortal, the episodic VR game for the Oculus, the virtual reality game, um, where uh, and a majority of the first episode takes place in and under Vader's castle in virtual reality. Ah, very cool. And um, it's it's a, it's a cool experience. The second episode is out. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. But there are a few moments in, it, in that story where you find yourself standing like face to chest plate with the Dark Lord himself that are genuinely kind of scary. Like being in a VR, 360 VR environment and having a door open and Darth Vader walk right up to you Even though it's video game graphics and you know you're in a game, was actually pretty scary. Um, The first time it was it was kind of creepy. But yeah, you get to kind of.
2: I've heard that the VR experience is very immersive, can be very, uh, very disorienting and realistic. I mean, you can actually see YouTube videos of uh, people with the VR headsets on, and like their buddy walks up to them, and all of a sudden they start beating the shit out of their buddy. Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: I can't recommend that VR Resident Evil enough. It's so much fun. Yeah. It's scary as hell.
3: Vader Immortal's got some cool scenes, too, where you're like kind of... Maya Rudolph plays your, your droid buddy, and you're kind of... There's a sequence where you're sneaking through, and you're looking through a grate, Watching Vader do something, and I found myself physically crouching down, even though I didn't need to for the story. <laughs> and I kept looking over at Maya Rudolph like, shh. <laughs> and like, and and it, it's it's very immersive, and um and yeah. So, but it all, but there's a sequence where your your freighter gets taken by Imperials, and, and um, you get pulled out of hyperspace by an interdictor cruiser, and they guide you down to the surface on Mustafar, and you come through the clouds in Mustafar, and the whole planet's laid out in front of you, and you land inside Vader's ca- castle, um, mm-hmm. and it's a really cool sequence. But it just reminded me of that when we talked about. Tales from Vader's Castle, which I also recommend. It's really good.
2: Well, we are going to do a real quick speed round with any final little bits and pieces that you guys might have. I'm going to throw out 3B6RA7, which is the droid in the sandcrawler with the insectoid face who scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. <laughs> okay. Uh, anybody else? Quick one? Uh, the first... Go ahead, Beth. Oh, sorry. No, um, go ahead.
0: The Sith rule of Two that Darth Banin stated, because both Master and Apprentice are going to be living under constant fear of which one's going to betray me first. That's no way to live. That's terrifying.
3: <laughs> I mentioned it earlier, but the first 15 minutes of the ba- Ewoks in the battle for Endor, uh, where the uh, nice family, the Tawani family from the first film, listen to the Needless Things commentary, or don't, um, are all massacred in the first act of it and it's horrifying and very scarring and i don't know why they thought that was okay for kids Mm -hmm. ryan Ryan.
1: just my last one and it's one that's pointed out a thousand times but those ewoks were going to eat him (laughs) 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 you know i know it's pointed out a lot and i'm pretty sure they ate some of those stormtroopers too
3: Oh absolutely. That's,
1: oh yeah.
0: That's what I was thinking. I was like, wait, did they just eat the stormtroopers and then take their helmets?
2: Yeah, even as a kid, that was my thought. That that's how they had those helmets was they ate what was inside them.
3: But that does not make them cannibals.
2: No, it doesn't. Eating <laughs> other Ewoks would make them cannibals. Yes. Which they yes. probably do that too.
3: Warring tribes, probably. Yeah. Um I would, real quick, I would like list Tuscan Raiders kind of scary as a kid. Yeah. Um the Cantina kind of scary as a kid. And uh, last one, Darth Vader, just in general. I mean, I know it's kind of obvious, but Vader's a scary character. And, and uh, seeing him on screen for the first time, I think, the, the, as being the symbol of all evil, at least in the original movies, I think he's a legitimately frightening villain.
2: Well, seeing him for the first time, and I would go so far as to say, seeing him in full action at the end of Rogue One.
3: Yeah, that scene is
2: very, at the least, it's intimidating. um, At the same time, rewarding, but it is scary. You see, oh, shit, you know, if you haven't read the comics and you haven't seen all the stuff he does in in the in-canon Marvel comics now, uh, just that scene, you really get to see him in action and why he's such a terrifying, powerful figure. Uh, All right, we've got to wrap it up. But before we do, I'm going to go around... Uh, Halloween we've talked about spooky stuff we've talked about horror we've talked about scary things but one of the most important facets of Halloween is costumes so I'm going to go around and I want each of us to share if you could have any costume from Star Wars for yourself what would it be Uh, I will start with Ryan
1: oh that's a hard one um I don't know I think if any costume just to have, and now I'm looking at my toys trying to figure out. (laughs) um, Oh, let's just go with Dengar. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) You know, why not? Dengar. Or maybe Zuckus. One of the bounty hunters, definitely. I like it.
2: Uh, Beth, what about you? Uh,
0: I'm torn between Aura Singh and Asaj- Asajj Ventress because they are both badass. I just don't want to have to shave my head for either one. Yeah,
2: I was getting ready to say you're dealing with a bald cap or you're shaving your head.
0: Yeah, uh, if... I, I don't do masks for Halloween, so otherwise I would go with Bounty Hunter Leia, but yeah, I... I, I would do a bald cap and do either Asajj Ventress or Aura Singh.
2: Chad, what about you?
3: When I was a kid, I went as Tie Fighter or uh, X Wing Luke Skywalker in one of those uh, plastic jumpsuits. That if I got too close to a fire, I would have been emoliated immediately. Yeah, yeah,
2: I had one of those. I've got pictures still of me. Yeah,
3: um, I'd like to say I'm but I don't have the legs for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, I'm going to go a little. I'm going to go a little. I, I tend to be a little lazy at Halloween, so I would be Orson Krennic. Oh, nice! Yeah. I like I'm it. Just getting a nice white imperial outfit, and you get most importantly, most importantly, the cape. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Most importantly, the cape.
2: Uh, so, and what about you? Once upon a time, I would have said Boba Fett. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite movie costumes, suits of armor, whatever you want to call it, of all time. But i the only reason we know his name. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> he looks cool. Uh, but I made myself a Mandalorian suit of armor a few years ago, and I know how miserable it is to wear. So I never... And the problem is,
1: you would make one, and somehow one of those Mandalorian group jerks would show up and tell you why it's not correct. That's exactly what <laughs> so happens. You'd be, like, trick-or-treating, and you, like, open the door to be one of them, and they'd be like, yes. that is not accurate. All That's those chest accurate. plates are, are
2: a little small, actually. Well, actually... Yeah, I would I would definitely get that. So, uh, rather than torture myself with a screen accurate uh, Boba Fett costume, I'm going to keep it simple and go with Han Solo's uh, Bespin. Uh, I hate to say outfit, but it is an outfit. <laughs> it's it's totally an outfit. Uh, but the long sleeve jacket, the brown uh, pants with the yellow Corellian blood stripe, which I don't know how a yellow blood stripe happens, but whatever. It's a big galaxy. People are different. Uh I always loved that look when I was a kid. I actually preferred that to the to the Han Solo vest look. Uh even once I found out that the vest and the pants were not black as the action figure depicted. Yeah. Uh I I just I love that look. I love that jacket. It's just very very cool. Those high boots. Uh it's one of my favorite looks from Star Wars as simple as it is. It's very specific to, to Han and has been aped, you know, over the years by many other characters. So, yeah, that I would go with that. Screen accurate, uh, Bespin Solo. That's cool. So to yeah. sign us off, what you guys have to do is, uh, oh. Chad, if you want to take point on this, Uh-oh. tell us the name of the new podcast that you're launching okay. and a general, like, ballpark when you expect it to be available. Oh, so
3: um, Ryan, Beth, and I are launching a Star Wars fiction podcast called Execute Chapter 66. Um, like I said, it will be covering Star Wars fiction. Um, Ballpark, we're hoping to record next week or the week after, mm-hmm. I'm guessing. And yeah. then, so I, I would say look out for an episode, let's say November.
2: Excellent. November uh, I'm
3: going to I'm I'm aim for November.
2: And uh, outside of that, where can we find you online, and what are you up to?
3: Um, ChadJShonk.com. Uh, same thing on Instagram. Um, not on Twitter anymore. And, um, yeah, I'm finishing up a new book that should be out early next year. And uh, besides that, you know, check out my movie Dakota Sky on Amazon Prime and my um, novel Proxy, also available on Amazon.
2: Uh, Beth, outside of Execute Chapter 66, where can we find you? Um, I
0: have no novels, but you can, or movies. Slacker. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I just finished my Dragon Con coverage for NeedlessThingsPodcast.com, and now I am going into horror Halloween coverage for NeedlessThingsPodcast.com. And I will be posting weekly all through October
2: and on NeedlessThings.com.
0: On uh, NeedlessThingsPodcast.com. dot
2: and, com, and you can find her tagged in many needless things posts on Instagram as Beth Orama.
0: And I can't. Okay, it's not my fault. I can't work Instagram. I don't know how it works. I, I only like know that's how to. Figure.
3: Completely your fault. It is.
2: <laughs> it's fair. It's fairly intuitive. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, finally, our head of research Ryan. Uh, I, I am thrilled that you are officially. Well, going to be an ongoing you've been official since the start, but you're gonna be an ongoing uh yeah. contributor to Needless Things here. Uh where anything else you're up to online, I, I'm still waiting for those toy reviews, man.
1: Uh, you know, one day we'll maybe this fourth Friday we'll get on to it. No, so yeah, I'll be on the podcast and always willing to chat it up on the social media, especially with all the Star Wars stuff starting this Friday.
2: You know, I'd actually like to get together and do sort of a, a Triple Force Friday recap and let's let's see what kind of damage we did our wallets after it's done. Yeah. Can, I say one,
3: can I say one last thing?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Everybody watch the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance so Holy we can get a second shit. season. Yes. Please. I've yes. got one
2: episode left. Don't
0: spoil I'm not spoiling. Anything. No, no,
3: I wouldn't dare. But uh, talk about things that were too dark for us as kids and scarred us as kids. That's fine. But uh, please watch it and get us a second season. Uh, Age of
2: Resistance cut. scarred me as an adult.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm currently scarred.
2: It's my favorite thing I've seen all year. Yeah, it's it's absolutely phenomenal. And yeah. and that's saying something because The Dead Don't Die. I love deep deep no, in I my heart. Uh, yeah. But Age of Resistance is is yeah my favorite. Awesome, well thank you guys for coming on and talking about spooky Star Wars stuff and uh, I look forward to talking all of you, uh, talking to all of you again sooner than later. December. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) All right. later guys. Bye. Bye. I almost forgot to put my mic back down in front of my face. I hadn't planned on producing this episode today. I, I have had... You're lucky I had other things to discuss in the intro because today was a fantastic but also weird day. Uh, The cool things that happened, or if if you are following Needless Things Podcast on Instagram or or Phantom Troublemaker on Instagram, you saw that I finally found the Jabba's Palace Vintage Collection playset. At Walmart, and it was a struggle to get them to sell me that thing because it was not in their system. Uh, there, there's a little Star Wars uh, Force Friday for you. And then the other thing that happened today is I went to GameStop, and they had the carbonized sister. I can't remember what it, whatever it is uh, from the new game, but it's carried over from Rebels, I think. I actually am not sure who the character is, but she looks badass, especially with that metallic finish that the carbonized collection had. Uh, But they were out at GameStop, and I went up to the counter and I was like, hey, these are probably street dated for Friday, uh, but if not, and you're willing to sell it to me, I'll buy it. But it's probably street dated for Friday. And she was like, oh my gosh, I don't know why these are even out. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I can't sell it, but I'd be happy to hold one for you. And I said, you are the best. And she said, no, you're the best for not being a dick about this. Uh, she she didn't actually say that, but I could see it in her eyes. Uh, so I will be going today for you guys and picking up my carbonized uh, seventh seventh sister second I don't know inquisitor figure, whatever it is. I haven't watched the trailers you guys. I don't know. it just is a cool looking figure and that's that's how I make most of my toy buying decisions. Look at that that thing looks cool. So there you go. there's a little behind the scenes. I love you guys.
1: Thank you for listening to the
0: Needless Things podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vic's employee. Love you. Mean it. uh
4: Uh-huh.